0: Basic Income Podcast. I'm Owen Poindexter. And I'm Jim Pugh. Those of you who have been paying close attention to news in the basic income world may have heard that Italy actually enacted a citizen's income late last year. This is something that's made a few ways, but actually hasn't really gotten to the level of awareness that you see around some of the other basic income pilots and such going on. And so this program is actually in the process of being rolled out right now. And we thought it would be good to take an episode and really dive into what the program is, how it is and is not a basic income, and what this actually means as far as the larger basic income movement and conversation. So the program in Italy proposed by the Five Star Movement is Essentially,
1: it's a basic income with all the objections that you might have if you are opposed, if you just want a pure, universal basic income. It is very much not that, but let's break it down. So it is only for households earning less than 9,360 euros, which is just over $10,000 a year. It is only for citizens or 10-year residents of Italy. It is a combination of a cash support program and a housing allowance. So if you have no income, you can receive up to 780 euros, 500 of that in cash, 280 for rent. You must apply to receive it, It doesn't just automatically show up. Uh, And also there is a real estate and financial assets limit. So it's not just for people with low income. If you have a big fancy house or financial assets over 6,000 euros, you also are ineligible to receive it. There's also a significant work component to this. Uh, recipients have to work for the state if they're of working age for eight hours a week. They're also receiving job training and they uh, will receive job offers periodically and they have to accept one of the first three offers that comes to them if
0: they're going to stay on the program. So, Jim, why don't we get your top line thoughts here? It's also worth noting that while everything you just talked about applies for an individual, those living in families, it's, they're not treated as separate individuals, they're treated as a family. You do get increased benefits when you're in a family, if, if you're a couple or if you have children, but the size of those benefits goes down quite a bit. So an individual is, is getting up to 780 to a month. If you're a family of five, you actually can only receive a maximum of 1280 euros a month. So it's not actually that much more. So I think there's a lot to unpack here. and. I I would just say that, on one hand, I think it's great that Italy is exploring more cash benefits. I think it's great that they are ramping up the support to people in the country who are living in poverty. I definitely have a lot of reservations around what this program is. I think that the conditions that are are being put on people, the having to go through this this work training and, and accept job offers, having to apply for the program. I think one of the things that really attracts us to basic income is this idea of, of its liberating effect, that it, it gives people this sense of much more agency in their life, that they they are being empowered to accomplish things. I wonder if having all of those hurdles attached to these cash payments is going to mean that you you really don't get this in Italy to anywhere near the same degree that, for example, you've gotten it in Ontario, where they've been doing their negative income tax pilot there.
1: Yeah, that- point you make about basic income should be a liberating force is, is really salient to me here. I think the one of the major red flags here is the work requirement and how it does seem to mostly be about funneling people into a job. I feel like there's this temptation that a lot of people have when they're designing programs like this to use basic income as a form of control. That as long as you're, you know, we're used to, I give you money, you give me something in return. So, you know, the, the state's giving out money, what's it getting back? And I feel like that's one of the major mental leaps that we have to make, that we have to get people to start talking about, that this isn't about control. This is about liberation. This is about what we actually want society to, to look like and what options we want people to have.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's, I mean, this is something we won't know until we know. And so it will definitely be interesting to watch the rollout which is they're slated to the start issuing payments in April, so it's, it's really coming right up. But, I yeah, I think we're going to have to pay close attention and see what the public reaction and perception around this is to understand when you have a program with, with those requirements included, does it actually feel really any different than existing welfare programs that have existed to date? The other piece that actually really, really concerns me is who is actually going to receive the necessary level of support. So I think w- one thing that's nice is that Italy, they call it a citizen's income. It can go to foreign residents, but only if they live there for 10 plus years. So Italy has a pretty sizable population of foreigners who are not citizens, who have not lived there that long, and it's a population that has a decently high poverty rate. So what they've now done by enacting the citizen's income is create this tiered system where those people are not going to be able to get anywhere near the same level of, of generous support that other people in the country are. And so this is this is something I brought up before in other contexts, but I, I worry a lot about what sort of classism you might be instilling if you have the separation, if, if you end up with this sizable population that is being left out. And what, what that looks like in the long run. I mean, I guess if you lived there long enough, eventually you qualify, but 10 years is a long time and who knows what happens in the meantime. Yeah, and I think that that
1: number is really where my opinion kind of shifts on this. If it was three years, like, okay, that, that shows some commitment to the country, but it's not a long time. If you come in, you know, basically in poverty, you can see the the light at the end of the tunnel there, or 10 years is, yeah, that's, that's a big chunk of your life. And yeah, I just feel like basic income on the more positive end of it can be this source of national pride. I can imagine it as something where you're really proud of your country for making sure no one is left behind. And, and so that does indicate some kind of line about who's in and who's out. But the very close flip side of that is that it can be a source of nativism and that you know, we get it because you know in this case we're Italian or it's very easy for me to make the jump to we're American and you don't get it because you're you're foreign you're not from here and yeah that's scary and it it's easy to imagine kind of this this underclass of immigrants who are kept down uh, specifically because they are immigrants and to to think that that kind of hinges on that number of how long you have to be in in the country is sort of a weird thing, and with Alaska, their program, you have to have been there for a year. And I think it was originally more than that, but that was challenged in court, and so now it's one year. And that feels fine to me. You know, it's not just like you show up, you know, and the first month you pay rent, you get money from the state. Uh, but you know, a year is fine, whereas 10 years feels like too much. I don't know where it is in the middle that I start feeling bad or good depending on which direction we're going, but I think it's a crucial question.
0: I think that's right. I, I did see that there were reports during the debates around Italy's citizens' income where people were talking about five years for a while. But it's worth pointing out that right now, the government of Italy, it's primarily being led by the Five Star Movement, which is it's a populist movement, it's, tends to be mostly anti establishment, but they're also working with the League Party, which is at least far right, very anti immigrant party. So it's understandable that there would have been pressure to exclude more people coming from, from that segment of the government. And so I, I wonder if that's why they ended up with 10 years instead of five years, which I think. I personally agree. I think something like two or three years seems much more reasonable to me. 5 seems not outside the realm of like okay like can you get by in 5 years and you start getting the benefit maybe there's a way that works but yeah 10 seems like a very very long time the other segment of society that i think is is not being fully excluded but partially excluded here are people with larger families because as i mentioned you get a pretty generous benefit as an individual you get a supplement to that as a couple as you have kids but the increase in benefits drops significantly as you have more children. That's something where if you have a family with three, four kids who is struggling financially, they're not getting anywhere near the amount they need to actually get by. And that, that doesn't just mean that that's cruel in the moment. That's actually it's a question of how much you're investing in the next generation. If you're not actually giving children an environment where they have enough to be able to, to feel comfortable in you're effectively sabotaging their life trajectory. We have so much evidence that childhood poverty has long-lasting ramifications that it means people end up being less productive throughout their lives. And so, when thinking about the longer term, I think that seems like a very big flaw to me in this program. We had almost lucky on uh, a while back talking about how important it was to actually include a sizable child basic income as part of any larger universal basic income program, specifically because if you really want to talk about any poverty, that is mandatory.
1: Yeah. And that's the sort of thing that makes me wonder what exactly are the goals of this program. And I will admit near total ignorance to Italian politics, but I wonder if they just wanted to call something a citizen's income. And, and they're not calling this a basic income, they're calling it a citizen's income, because there, there are elements of it like that that you wonder if it if it just sounds right. I don't know how much policy research was invested in this and if they started with a goal and designed, you know, looked into the research to figure out the path to get to that goal, that's, you know, what you hope, I guess, but you know, some of this just seems like like the 10-year thing, it just kind of sounds right to someone. And and the the child thing um, or diminishing returns for a larger family just It sounds like the sort of thing where there are a bunch of people in a room and they said, well, we can't give this to people with huge families because then people will just have too many kids. And so that became the policy. I'm obviously speculating here, but it feels like they wanted to have the energy around basic income as part of this populist movement and the policy is just kind of a little bit slapped together. And so inevitably you're going to get some people left behind there. It makes me wonder how I would feel about this policy if it wasn't called citizen's income or basic income, if it was just a a workfare program, I guess that's kind of a pejorative term so people wouldn't actually use it, but if it was kind of like a worker's welfare program. I mean, for one, I don't know if I would have even heard about it, but two, it might have slotted more into the place in my mind where I put things like the ITC, where it's like, okay, this is a program that is flawed, but it'll get a few people, or more than a few people out of poverty. And part of me tries to lean more into that optimistic view of it where, you know, people are going to get cash. People are going to be pulled out of poverty because of this. Uh, People's lives will be a little bit easier. Uh, You know, some people will probably, you know, be pulled back from the precipice of, of poverty through this program. And so compared to the gold standard of universal basic income, it falls well, well short just as something that wasn't there before and is now going to be there starting in April, I don't know, maybe it's a good thing, but it does have a lot of these narrative issues around citizenship and, and as flaws as a policy around not getting people out of poverty. So I
0: keep going back and forth between those two polls. I think that's an important point, and, and I agree that were this not presented in the frame of basic income, I, I don't know whether we would have heard about it at all it's really only because the Five Star Party talked so much about basic income during their campaign. I think that that was was a banner they were flying for this. And so that's how it's been presented publicly to a large degree. But yeah, I mean, if you think about it, this really just resembles pretty traditional welfare programs in in most ways. It does have a component of unconditional cash, but that's been true for welfare for, for a long time when you have programs that are targeted specifically towards lower income folks. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say I think I mentioned earlier, but if I if I'm choosing between this and just the pure negative income tax, 100% negative income tax, I think that gets that, that brings us so much closer to the elements of basic income that I I, I think we think are important. And I, I would say, seeing the response from recipients in Ontario, we we have hard evidence that that sort of program. Does lead people to respond in a way that we believe and hope that that basic income will lead people to respond. So I would say I'm honestly a bit worried that this is being labeled basic income, not only because of the, the different issues we've discussed around it, but I mean I have no idea how well the Italian government is actually going to implement this, and if they do it poorly, and it turns out there's fraud in the system, if it turns out that the, the people being excluded is, is causing an increase in crime or whatever sort of pitfalls and, and negative ramifications you can imagine, if those happen and then that is associated with basic income, that potentially pulls us farther back as opposed to getting ahead here. Yeah.
1: I find it very interesting that they wanted to call something basic income. and. If you look at some of the the bills that are getting introduced by a lot of Democratic presidential contenders in the U.S. right now, a lot of them are about as much of a basic income as this is, but they seem to be very careful to not call it basic income. It always has some other frame around, you know, helping working families or helping children or whatever it is. Yeah, it, it makes me wonder how the basic income narrative is is playing out there. It seems to be a rallying cry of some sort, so that's a positive in some ways. But yeah, you worry that it leads to a lot of bad headlines and becomes another government program that people just kind of demonize the way they demonize a lot of other government programs. And especially if it doesn't actually contain a lot of the principles of universal basic income around universality and actually getting people out of poverty.
0: So, I don't know. I guess we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll keep you posted if we if we hear any updates on, on how the program is going. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Basic Income Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our producer, Eric Davidson. If you like our episodes, please do make sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts or the podcast service of your choice. Leave us a rating and review. We want to hear from you. Also, tell your friends. We want more people listening to this. And we will talk to you next time.